Our young people and our children are going to slip out while they're doing that. For those of you that remain, get your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. The whole book, not a chapter. Amen. First time in my whole life, in my ministry, that I've taken the whole book. Just save your breath and don't pass out. I'm not going to read it all at one time. But I want us to take our hands and lay it on the book of Acts. And I want that to become our focus for the next little while. I was reading the other day and a statement that I read reverberated in my spirit and it has continued to do that over and over and over and it has pushed me along the lines that I am going to pursue for the next several weeks. The statement was simply this, the world at its worst needs the church at its best. Say that with me. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. I want you to pray right now that God would help us. We're going to begin a journey tonight that I believe is going to be advantageous to our church and to what God wants to do in this summer season greater life. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we need you. We need you to help us, to strengthen us, to alert us, to awaken us. Whatever it is, Lord, that we are not attuned to in the realm of the Holy Ghost, that you would help us to get our sensitivity, our spiritual sensors directed in the right direction. And for the next few weeks and the few months, that there will be an extraordinary move of your spirit among your people. And there will be a searching and a seeking and a hunger that will come out of this endeavor that will see a mighty revival come in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Before you're seated, stretch your hands toward these plans another time. Let's pray. God, let your will be done. We pray tonight. We have put our hearts, our soul, our life before you. And we give it all to you tonight, God. And we're asking you to bless the future of our assembly. That you will give us clarity of direction. And you will give us favor. Lord, you will open doors that no man can shut. And you will make a way and provide, Lord, for the blessings and the revival that you have prepared for us in this hour. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. I believe that we would all agree tonight that the world is probably at its worst right now. When we look at the world and the whole situation in which we find ourselves involved, it, it it is fearful and it is disturbing. The prophecies of this hour are playing out before our eyes on a daily and hourly basis. And we see on a 
daily basis, things that shake us to our core. Scripture paints a very vivid picture of what the hour is going to be like. And if you read the Bible, you read the New Testament especially, you will find many references that are made to the end time. And there are many things that are spoken of this hour that are to make us aware that we are living in the last hour. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, if you read in those portions of Scripture, you will find many of the physical signs mentioned in reference to the end of time. Matthew talks about wars and rumors of wars and nations rising against nation and famine and pestilence and earthquakes and so many uh, events happening in the realm of nature that are un, unusual and uncommon. And uh, there are many other references made in, in regards to the last hour in which we live. And I'm, I'm not going to go into a, a message on prophecy because I'm not the one to do that tonight. But I do believe that we can read in Scripture and see the uh, the precursors and the signs that we are, the physical signs happening. And we see that. Nation rising against nation, a trembling, uh, men's hearts failing them for fear, and so forth. But when you go into the New Testament writings of Paul, you will find him going a step further in his uh, picture of the end time. And he draws not physical signs, but spiritual signs that we are living in the last hour. First Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy 3 and 1 shall come. Difficult times, or in the last times, perilous times shall come. Difficult times. And he goes on to talk about the atmosphere that will be there, the spiritual setting of the nation. And I... I wanted you to get a full impact of what he said there, and so I I printed it out in several different translations. And I don't want to overstate the fact, but I want to underscore what Paul said we could we could look for and see happening. The 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 uh, uh, CEV version of the New Testament says. But you can be certain that in the last days, there will be some very hard times. People will love only themselves and money. They will be proud, stuck up, rude, disobedient to their parents. They will also be ungrateful, godless, heartless, hateful. Their words will be cruel and they will have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everyone or everything good. They will be sneaky, reckless, puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure, even though they will make a show of being religious. Their religion won't be real. Don't have anything to do with such people. Some men fool uh some men fool whole families just to get power over the women or others. Another translation said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult time. P- 
people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will destroy their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them truly godly. I think that's pretty descriptive of the world in which we now live. The message translation said, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust and allergic to God. They make a show of religion, but behind the scene they're animals. Stay clear of these kind of people. I think you get a clearer picture of what Timothy was hearing from the Apostle Paul about the time in which we live and how descriptive it is. I I thought as I was reading over this again, uh, how evident that is even among Facebook and Twitter today. People have taken to Twitter to uh, let that become the new avenue of getting revenge. And uh, they say things without any regard, without any self-control, and there are common decencies to life that used to be a part of the world in which we live and a world that are no longer there. That is the world in which we live. And I think we understand that the world is certainly at its worst, if not one of the worst places it's ever been. I think we agree on that. But the question that has really troubled me is... Is the church at its best? Because that's really the most important factor. It's not that evil abounds, but does grace much more abound? And I believe tonight that the question that I would like for all of us to ponder over the next few weeks is, are we at our best? Now, I know that that's not going to be an easy question to answer for many because we want to be careful that we're not critical and it's easy to be critical. It's easy to find all the faults in the church. That's not what I'm asking you for. I'm not here to beat us up or beat us down. I am here to stir your mind and just to get you to thinking and considering I want us to carefully consider how urgent the need is of the hour in which we live. And over the next few weeks, I would like for us to take a journey back through the book of Acts. You know what? I'd like to make this a sizzling summer in more ways than one. We've already felt the heat part and it's only going to get hotter, but 
I would like for there to be a spiritual sizzling that goes on in this place because there is a hunger that grips the heart of people when they begin to look at us as a church and consider, are we at our best? And if we are not, what can we do to get to that place? What can I do to get into a better place spiritually? You will battle things this summer and during the summer season that you don't battle any other time of the year because it is an extremely carnal season of life and it lends itself to that. But I am, I am calling you as a church to join with me and let's make a spiritual journey during an extremely carnal time and explore what the church was when it was at its best and then ask the Lord to help us to be able to replicate or get back in that place where the church was at its very best. Now, I'm not interested in going back in time and be, and, and being something that I'm not. I, I think we can have apostolic power right here, right now in 2018 without having to go back to the things that we may have thought were necessary to have revival back then that were just part of an era or an age. There are some apostolic truth. There are some apostolic principles that no matter the age, they work. And when you discover the principle, it doesn't matter the time frame in which you live, you can see revival. But I do believe there are some underlying factors that when you read the book of Acts, you will find at the core of what made them so powerful and made them such a living force in a Roman culture that was antithesis to God or anything that was godly, and yet they flourished among adversity. They flourished in some of the most ungodly and wicked cities and places that were imaginable. We we think that America is a Sodom and Gomorrah right now. You need to go back and read the New Testament history of the church and where those churches were birthed in some of the places, the cities, in in, in the Corinthian church and the, the church of Thessalonica and Ephesus, what they had to be birthed in. It was so filthy and vile that it would... It would embarrass most of you tonight if I even mentioned some of the things that went on normally, regularly, even under the guise of Christianity or some kind of religion. And we think we live in such a wicked world, we can't have apostolic revival, but they waded into that kind of community. They didn't know you couldn't have revival. They just went in there and they did some basic things that allowed God to show himself for who he was, the mighty God, the saving God, the delivering God, the outpouring God. And out of that came a tremendous revival that shook the world And as one man said, these are they that have turned the world upside down. I wonder how long it's been said about us that we were they that have turned the world upside down. I'd like for it to be said again. So what does the church look like at her best? How does she function? What are her priorities? What are 
her focuses? What are the things that she does consistently, that she does continually? Those are the things that we want to explore. And so this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to make a commitment with me that for the June, July, and August, you're going to read through the book of Acts one time a month. That's not hard. That's one chapter a day. And then you've got two or three free days because there's only 28 chapters. And last time I checked, June, July, August had 30 to 31 days in them. So you, you, you're not going to spend all, but every day read a chapter and then go back and read that same thing. Read it until it is in you. Until its message is in you. Not just the word, but the message is in you. Read it and reread it and read it and reread it until it begins to reverberate in your spirit and in your mind and, and, and you, you begin thinking in those terms and give, uh, give God the opportunity of doing something in our church this summer that could truly be uh, life-changing for many, many people and make this a truly sizzling summer. Amen. Let's pray for the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall first on us and in us and then let it fall in this place. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for the service where it begins with praise and before we get to the next item on the agenda, three or four people have already received the Holy Ghost. I'm looking for the service where we begin and we have a program in place, but God interrupts and does a miracle, heals somebody right there on the pew while we're worshiping and praying and singing that God steps in and takes care of a situation. Amen. May I remind you tonight that the prelude to Pentecost was this setting. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simeon the Zeolotus and Judas the brother of James, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. Before the power of Pentecost ever fell, there was a spirit of unity that had already come into the atmosphere. There was a spirit of prayer. There was an atmosphere of praying. They were together, joined with others of like purpose. Something happens when people get together. I never will forget Somebody asked Brother Teclamarian many years ago, how did the revival in Ethiopia come? And he said, when we first started praying for revival, we prayed for a demonstration of the power. But he said, we never saw what we wanted and what we hungered for. It wasn't coming in the measure. But he said, there came a revelation to us 
that when we start praying for unity, God will send revival. And so he said, as a church, we started praying for unity, that we would all be together in one mind, in one place, in one accord. When we get together, there is, there's one purpose. There's only one thing we're here for. We're not here to talk. We're not here to fellowship. We're here to see a move of God. And when they began to pray for that kind of spirit in the church, revival began to break out all over Ethiopia. Amen. I believe unity is still a powerful tool. It's so powerful that God recognizes what it's able to accomplish. If if you want to know the power of unity, go back and read Genesis and the Tower of Babel. God said, if I let these guys alone, they're going to do what they've set in their mind. They've unified themselves. They're going, and he had to send the diversion and send the, the language barrier that would stop them from their ill, uh, desired purpose. But that's how powerful unity is. When people get together, when people become of one mind, when they begin to say the same things, then they begin to pray the same things, then they begin to worship the same. And, and when their focus and their energy is put into that one measure or that one endeavor, something powerful is going to happen. Amen. Say unity. Unity. That means Not that we are all going to think alike, but we think together. We don't need to all think alike. I think I've told you this before, but it probably will do you good to hear it again. One of the great revelations that I had when I was reading about the Hubble telescope, in my naive thinking, I I don't know, I guess I just always thought that the Hubble telescope was this humongous lens that they had developed that was so powerful that it could reach out in the far reaches of the universe and pull in the stars and all the planets and bring them into a sharper focus. But when I got to reading about it, I discovered it wasn't that at all. But it was it was a compilation of many lenses inside that large apparatus that gathered different aspects of the universe And then they channeled them all together through one lens. And that's the powerful image that you see. And so when God wanted to create a body or a church, He didn't create us clones of each other. We don't need to think alike in that term. We need to be able to think and let God use us for who we are. But your lens, your perspective, your abilities, your talents, all of those when we bring them together and we begin to point them through that one lens. We don't need people to be robots around here. But we need everybody to turn their attention, turn their lens toward that one lens. So that it can all be gathered for one purpose. That's what unity can do. It is so powerful that it will shake a world and turn it upside down. And they were together before there was an outpouring. I am still convinced that when we get together, and you've seen it happen over and over again. When we come together and and we, we get our minds and our spirits on one pointed in one direction, something incredible always happens. Always. Everybody say unity. And suddenly, 
follows, these all continue. There's something to be said about consistency. You know how the turtle got into the ark? By plodding, by consistently going on. And so it is with you and I. There's a lot of things in life that follow consistency. Doing things over and over and over and over and over again. Repeatedly the same things. There's something powerful that happens. There's an end. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. That followed this, that these all continued. Some may say continued. Amen. Consistency. Doing it without having to feel it necessarily. Just doing it because it's the right thing to do. We let too much of what we do be based on our feelings. If we're up to it, man, we can run with the best of them. If we're not, you can't drag it out of us. All right, I'll take a nod. You can agree or disagree, but I'm right on that and you know I am. Amen. Consistency. Not letting whatever has happened during the day uh, affect what we do when we get to the house of God. But we come in with one mind. We come in with one focus. We're looking toward one thing, and that is God. We want Him to be manifest in our midst. We don't care how He does it, what manner He chooses. We just want God to be manifest in our midst. And when we begin to focus on that, I'm here to tell you God is going to be manifest in our midst. Amen. With one accord in one place is always the precursor to Pentecostal power. So what is it when the church is at its best? They didn't have programs, but they had power. They didn't even really have a strategy. They just had a commission. And it was sufficient for them to do what they did. The church of Scripture had less resources at its disposal to impact its world than we have, and yet it turned its world upside down. And when we look at our world, we have to wonder, what, what, what's, what's, what are we missing here? What's wrong with this picture? Amen. Amen. So let's look at it for a few moments tonight. This, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. When I start going through the book of Acts... I realize that we are certainly at our best when we operate in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the only way that you and I can operate in the power is to know how to pray for that power. There has to be Prayer that is the precursor to everything that we do. We have Saturday night prayer. I'm surprised at how little importance that is on some people's calendar. I don't care where you pray elsewhere. There's something about prayer for the body that is, that is invaluable. When we come together as a church family, you say, well, I can't make Saturday night. We can make what we want to make. But the fact that we Pray together is critical for all of us. And so I'm challenging you afresh tonight. If I hurt your feelings, please forgive me. I'm, I'm here to hurt feelings tonight. I'm here to hurt my own feelings. 
But I need prayer to become a priority in my life again, not just something that comes up every once in a while. When I get in trouble, I remember, oh, I better go pray. But prayer is the priority. It's something when we get up in the morning, our mind is in that mode of prayer. While we're going through the day, we're thinking. A A prayer is on our lips when we get home or when we go to bed, there's still on our lips a prayer. Lord, help us today. Move. And then there are seasons. There's times that you set aside where you seek the Lord. The Bible said that it was not uncommon for Jesus to leave early in the morning and go to the mountains away from his disciples so he could pray. Now, if he prayed, that means that you and I need to consider that as a very important priority in our life. They were, they were, they operated in the Holy Ghost. But the only way I know how to be filled with the Holy Ghost is to pray for the Holy Ghost to fall. The key is being full of it too. I wish that I could say that I'm full of the Holy Ghost right now, but I, I'm not sure I'm as full as I need to be. I want to be more than I am. But when we get full of the Holy Ghost, I don't have room for anything else. I don't have room for criticism. I don't have room for bitterness. I don't have room for hatred. I don't have room for jealousy. I don't have room for Facebook or whatever happens on Facebook. When I'm full of the Holy Ghost, there's just not room for anything else to get in. That's the best way to live is full of the Holy Ghost. And when the church was full of the Holy Ghost, go read it. Read it. Read what happened when they went into communities and the cities full of the Holy Ghost. There weren't enough devils in there. Amen. Some, what God was going to unleash in that community. Amen. Sometimes I am afraid that church is all too predictable for us. I want to see church where you can't explain it. I want to be involved in services where all you can do is step away and say, wow. I want to leave here with my head spinning. I'm so intoxicated. Yeah. I want to leave here with such an anointing that I feel like I'm on air. I'm just... I'm in a different realm. You say, that's absurd. No, it's not. The church, the early church operated in that kind of realm. It became so important to them that many of them forsook their normal jobs just so they could stay in that atmosphere and pray. I'm not saying that that was what was the purpose of God, but I am saying that their being full of God was His purpose. Amen. Sometimes we need to pray Those kind of prayers. God, help me to get out of my comfort zone and help me to be, to, to, to get full of the Holy Ghost. You look at what happens when a church operates in the Holy Ghost. Supernatural signs, healings, miracles, wonders were performed in an atmosphere where the Holy Ghost was working. Amen. There ought to be things that happen around our church that we can't explain. Amen. I've had people try to explain church. Their church ought to be something that you walk away scratching your head. How in the world did that happen? Amen. 
If we expect great things from God, I believe God will do great things. But if we come in without an expectation for those things, I don't believe we're going to be disappointed. This is what I've learned about my spiritual journey. When faith dies or when faith gets weak, so does my achievement. It is when I am full of faith that I am willing to step out and accept challenges that might have overwhelmed me. And I believe that's what God would like to see us do again. Let's let ourselves be full of the Holy Ghost. God, I want to pray until I pray through. That's an old time term that we haven't heard in a long time. Pray until you pray through. Pray until you pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray until it's not you anymore, but the Spirit in you that's making intercession. Amen. Pray until you break through. Praise God. Pray until you break through. I believe we're at our best when there is a hunger for more, when we're not satisfied and we're not content to just go through our little routine, have our little patty cake for Jesus meeting and then go home. I believe there's something amazing that happens when we have a hunger for more, when we, when we're telling God, God, we need a greater outpouring. I don't think that offends God. I don't think that hurts God's feelings to say, well, why aren't you satisfied with what I've already done? I believe God wants us to have that kind of hunger and that kind of desire, or He wouldn't be the God that He is. He wouldn't be the God that could do exceeding abundantly above if He didn't want you to ask Him for things that were exceeding abundantly above. If God wasn't able, He would never have made those things available to us. He said, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. If God didn't have the ability or did not want to do those things, why would he have even put them in his word? Amen. I think God's wanting to stretch some of us to believe God for the supernatural, believe God for uh, for, for miracles or wonders or signs and and and. and I know that gets some people nervous. I'm not nervous at all. I believe that's the atmosphere the church needs to be comfortable in. Are things, what is it? I don't know. How did it, I don't know how it happened. Well, what, what do you know? I know this. I once was blind, but now I see. I know that. I don't know, I don't even know who it was that did this. I don't know what his name is. I couldn't tell you. That's what the blind man in the New Testament said. I don't know who it was. I just know what he did. Amen. We're at our best when there is a hunger for more. When there is something in us that will not be satisfied and it keeps going back. God, help me. Show me something. That's one thing that I love about the Word of God because it is alive. It's active. You can go back to it. You can read the same verse a hundred times and you'll get a hundred inspirations out of that one verse of Scripture because it's living Because every time you come to it, whatever condition or situation you're in, it's alive to that moment. And it speaks things to you. And that's why I read it. And I want to reread it. And I want to go back and read it again and again and again. Because every time I do, it speaks new life into my life. It speaks new power into my life. And when I am hungry for more, God always has more. Somebody say more. 
more, more, more. Not passive, not just satisfied, but actively pursuing more. Words that will cause us to reach up and reach out. The expectation that was birthed in the early church made them look for more. Every time they got together, they were looking for more. The Bible said that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, teaching. They continued. They 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 fellowship. So many things that happened in that early church that helped propel them into that world-shaking revival that took the world by storm. I want more. Amen. I want more. More power, more glory, more anointing. Amen. I want more people. Amen. I want more of everything because I believe God wants to give us more. I believe we are at our best when there is a sense of excitement around this place and about what we're doing. That we're not doing it out of routine or habit, but there's an anticipation. You can't wait to get to church. Just wondering what the Lord's going to do. What's going to happen today? Amen. Who's going to, who, who's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost? How many people are going to be baptized? When we get excited about church again, church will be exciting to us again. Amen. Praise God. I want to be like my little granddaughter. She loves coming to church. And since she was a little girl, a little baby, I should say. She's a girl still. But since she was a baby, she would get so excited about coming to church because that meant she was going to get to be with her friends and all the other fun things that happen around here. I looked at her one day and I thought, God, if I was half as excited about coming to church as she would, we'd have a Holy Ghost runaway tonight. Amen excited about what God's about to do and not just about what God's about to do that I can be with God's people this is the greatest group of people on the face of the earth if you didn't discover that Sunday in the fellowship that you're around some of the greatest people you'll ever meet on the planet on planet earth these are great people that God's done wonderful things it's good to be around I I gain strength when I'm around people like you I may better I look better when I'm around folks like you Amen. Excited. Can't wait to get to Wednesday night. Man, you mean Wednesday night? You go to church on Wednesday? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Wednesday's the best night. Actually, it's the best service of the week. Some people just don't know that yet. Amen. Apostolic revival that could come by just going back through and reading. Let's just read the book of Acts. And every day you read it, say, God, speak to me. What can you tell me right now? Uh, from, from what I just read that will apply to where we are right now. What can we do to be that church? The church at its best. Amen. Not afraid to go into any community. Not afraid to go into any setting. Not afraid of any devil. Not afraid of any demonic activity. They just walk and wade right into the middle of it and started preaching Jesus. And him crucified. <laughs> and devil started shaking. And hell started trembling. Amen. Amen. It happened over and over and over again. Praise God. Let's stand.
When the world is at its worst, the church must be at its best. Amen. You may look around this church and say, man, I think we have a good church. We do. We do have a good church. We can be better. I thought we had good services. We do. We have great services. But we can have better. Well, I thought there were a lot of things. We do have a lot of good things that happen, but there's more. Amen. Hungry for more. And God, what can, what can I do? What can I do personally to get myself into the place where this book can come alive again in Webster, Texas in 2018 in a summer season when other people are looking other directions that something would erupt in this place that would change the destiny of people. Amen. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your mercies and your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your blessings that you've poured out upon all of us. We have sat together in...